0: John 21, 15 to 22. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one also had leaned against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Please be seated.
1: So we're in John 21 here, which is the very, very end. So as you've probably guessed, there's quite a bit of context leading up to John 21. Uh, I'll probably just touch on a little bit of that. Um, it's, it's actually, doesn't take much to see what, what Peter said and had done that really magnified this conversation. Uh, we are right now at Eastside going through the Gospel of John. We went through it pretty quick. I think we did chapters 1, 4, 9, 11, 15, and 21. So um, you don't have all that background, but I know many of you have been studying John for a long, long time. But in John chapter 13, after Jesus had said, um, you can't go where I'm going. And when he said that, he's talking about he's going through death and returning to the Father. Uh, Peter figured out what he was talking about and took exception to it and said, Lord, what do you mean I can't go where you're going I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And Jesus' response isn't terribly encouraging. His response is this, in John chapter 13, verse 38, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Like, really? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Wow, what a disappointment, right? Like, the rooster's going to crow in like, I don't know, 12 hours, less? I'm going to deny you three times from now till then? And of course, that is exactly what Peter does. That what we need to know as we look at John 21 is what um, is obvious from just the previous eight chapters, Peter failed. It was a colossal failure. My guess is that for the rest of his life, if anyone asked him, what is the biggest regret of your life, that he could easily identify it as, oh, there was this one night. (laughs) Well, this is what I did. And you know, when someone, it's one of those times, right, when someone's sharing what they're doing, what they've done, and you certainly want to be encouraging and gracious, but you do kind of go, ooh, sorry. It's that moment. Peter failed. And there's this incredible contrast going on here. As who knows, they're at the campfire and all the disciples are coming out of the boat and the And the scene that's described before we get to this conversation, the disciples are on the scene, so there there may be others around this fire, but what we do know is it's Jesus and Peter talking right now. And in contrast to Peter, Jesus has just completed his mission on earth. Jesus, in a huge way, succeeded that during Jesus entire ministry he was looking at a coming hour that he was doing ministry the whole time every conversation every word led by the father he said my words are not just my words but the father living in me always on target with every word in action but there was a coming hour So that in John chapter 12, Jesus says to them, my soul's troubled. I'm disturbed. I'm feeling this. A lot. That I've come to this hour, and and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. That Jesus is looking towards this hour, right? Setting his face like Flint towards Jerusalem, knowing that's where I'm going to die. This is how the Father will be glorified. And he's troubled until it's done. And when he's having this conversation with Peter it's done. Jesus succeeded. Peter's colossal failure. Jesus with the greatest success story of all time. And here's the conversation. But I have a question for you. When is John writing this? Now, if you're thinking, I don't know. Well, join the club. We really don't know exactly when he's writing this. But we have some guesses. Most people would guess he's writing around 80 AD, 90 AD, 80 plus or minus 10. You want to be in there? Something like that. What we do know from the text is he's writing after Peter has already died. Right? Because he's... Jesus has already told Peter, you know, you're going to get your hands spread out. You used to dress yourself. Someone else is going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to show Peter what? To show everyone the type of death he was going to endure to glorify. Glorify God. You ever think, like when we're singing those songs, like, and I love them. Show me your glory, Karen always cringes when I start singing. (laughs) Happens once in a while. (laughs) Show me your glory. It's like, what are we singing exactly? Because here's the glory. (laughs) Jesus goes through the cross. And when did Peter glorify God? Well, through this death he died. So what everybody knows, or pretty much everybody knows who's reading John, is Peter has become famous and not for his failure, although that's well known. And if it wasn't, John didn't do many favors, right? It's well known now. What's famous is how he succeeded. That Peter failed, and he's talking to Jesus who succeeded, but all the readers know, hey, Peter succeeds. Peter succeeded in a big way. So how? What did Peter do? How this change? And of course Jesus has been talking about that for chapters now. And in John 15, 5, and I see you still have that wonderful verse, at least part of it, right up here on the stained glass. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Remain in me and I'll remain in you and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. Peter remained in Jesus to the point where his death looks just like Jesus. And the result is the same result of Jesus' death ah, in part, <laughs> in this. God is glorified. I know I don't have to say this, but of course Jesus' death is unique in that it covers all our sins. (laughs) But Peter succeeded. He changed. And the way he changed was by buying into the promise that Jesus gave and found it to be true That if he'll remain in Christ, Christ remains in him and you will bear much fruit. And Peter, you get to decide if you're going to remain in me or not. Just stay with me. Remain with me. You'll be okay. Even when you are terrified. Even when your soul is being stirred up. Like even how our Savior Jesus Christ described his own soul. And we can feel all these things and think we can't succeed. But here it is. John 15, 5, it's not just for Peter. It's for us. You will succeed. I will succeed. We will succeed. That is the promise. That if what you want... more than anything else in this world... is to be who He made you to be... well then the answer to that prayer is... yes. Just stay with me. Travis was talking about it earlier... as he was leading into the offering... this idea, right? We just let go of control... We get to choose that. And when we choose it, we are guaranteed success. Remain in me. I'll remain in you. And you will bear fruit. Not, not maybe you'll bear fruit. Not even, you'll bear a little fruit. <laughs> but you'll bear much fruit. I know this is hard to believe sometimes. Believe it. I think we can take three lessons from Peter's success story here. And lesson number one, I think is, don't give up. Don't quit. Peter has not only had a colossal failure, it's fresh. Do you remember, maybe you're feeling it today, do you remember how it feels After a colossal, fresh failure? I mean, what do you want to do? I'm assuming at this point you've come out of denial, right? Because that's a fun thing to do. At least that's a temptation, ends terrible. But once we decide, like, okay, like I gotta be honest, this is what I did. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking like, don't give me anything to do. (laughs) I gotta recover. Like, come back to me in about 10 years. Like, I want 10 years between me and what just happened. Well, that will cover it. We don't even get that. This is fresh. And what we get this picture of is just, don't quit. Peter knew what he had done. It broke him. But when he's in the boat out fishing, which is what they're doing before they realize that's Jesus on the beach, when he realizes it, John points out to him, that's Jesus. He just jumps out of the boat to go get with Jesus. And when he gets there, it's not like Jesus is like, uh, hey, let's not bring it up. Jesus asked him three times. (laughs) I mean, it, it cannot be lost on Peter. It certainly isn't lost on John. That he asked him the same number of times as Peter had denied Jesus. It's almost like Jesus is touching the spot and saying, I know I know but don't quit I've got big work for you to do feed my lambs tend to the sheep feed my sheep all we do when we feel like we want to quit is exactly what Karen let us in this morning when we started confess just confess Jump out of that boat. Get to Jesus as fast as you can. Do not hang out in denial. Do not hang out in shame. Just give it to him. Confess it and be assured you are forgiven. That Christ's death is enough. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's good news. All right, what else do we see? Don't quit. Don't compare. It's almost comical, right? Like Peter just gets reinstated. He's just told, hey, I got this ministry for you. And he's saying, look, this is how it's going to play out. Your hands are going to be spread out. You're going to be taken where you don't want to go. And Peter, you would think, maybe a little more broken at this point than what he leads on, (laughs) says, again, Like Once again, my life's going to be in jeopardy. I mean, so far, the only disciple we know who has had their life put in jeopardy at this point is Peter. And now here's Peter again being told uh, it's going to happen again. Really? What about him? (laughs) It feels justified, doesn't it? I mean, sometimes why me? What about them? Feels justified. Why, 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 why? It's not even a bad question. Dick Woodward used to say it's not a bad question. It's, not ju- it's just not very helpful. I <laughs> think it's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Peter, asking that question or making those comparisons, that's not going to help you. What's that got to do with you? If I want him to live all the way to the day I return, what's that got to do with you? You just follow me. It's exactly like the prayer he taught us, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now what Susan let us, us in today, it's just your will be done. He's telling Peter, if you get caught up in the comparisons, you might be challenging the will of your Savior. Don't. (laughs) Just follow me. You will not figure this out on your own. So don't start comparing. You'll just get distracted. It ends bad. You'll never become who you really want to be. Just follow me. In fact, that's the last lesson that we take out of Peter's successful journey. Don't quit. Don't compare. Just follow. It's so simple, right? Just follow. Not easy. But by God's grace and power, by the miracle He does in each one of us when we ask Him to, he comes in and he cleanses us and empowers us to be all we were created to be, the life of the vine in the branches. Just follow. There's these verses in chapter 10 that I want to read at this point. It's John 10: three through5. This is right after Jesus describes himself as the Good Shepherd. right? This is that chapter. I'm the Good Shepherd. To him, to the good shepherd, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. He speaks. I got to tell you, what I'm finding in my own life is he speaks all the time. He has been speaking so much as we come together in prayer, as a community, that I have felt the need to ask for forgiveness because I can only assume he's been speaking this much all along and I haven't been listening. And even now, absolutely even now, I am convinced there are still times when I'm talking so much I'm still missing his voice. (laughs) That he's always saying there's more. We're always learning to listen. That not one of us has become complete as a listener. And we have no chance of following the Good Shepherd. Until we get intentional about listening. And of course I've heard his voice in the past. But it's almost like this call on all of our lives not like it, it is to become more mature in listening. He's still maturing us in what it means to look at scripture and let it dwell in us richly. He's still teaching us to pray. He's still teaching us to listen. We get together in these groups as you've heard Tabitha describe and just to be more intentional about listening. It's actually not even how we started doing it. But we just say, you know what? Right now we're not going to do any requests or thanksgiving. There's certainly a place for that. But just so we get better at listening because we're so bad at it. <laughs> let's only read scripture. We're praying. And what we're going to do is ask the Lord to put scripture on our heart. That he wants us to share. Just give us Lord a scripture. And so you begin this time. First thing you have to do is. Lord what what scripture do you have for me? I love it. It puts you right in this place of listening. Which I'm not good at. And then you have to ask again. Do you want me to share this? So here we are listening again. Lord is this just for me? Is this my, my own head? Like just jump into this passage or. Lord, show me, am I supposed to read this? And I can tell you there's been multiple times where I'm looking at a passage and someone will read like the verse right before it or the same one or one very connected to it. And I just think, Lord, are you really this good that you'll talk to me as an individual like this? That he says he calls his sheep by name. That in the text we read, it's John 10, right, where he says that, I'll call you by name. And in this passage we read, he calls Peter by name three times. It feels a little redundant, right? Like Peter knows at this point he's talking to me. Why? Well, I think it's just displaying his, his gentleness, his kindness. He's intimate. That it's actually not some equation we're putting in place to become who we are made to be. That we're in this intimate relationship with Him. And He calls us by name. In John 11, He calls Lazarus out of the tomb by name. In John 20, Mary Magdalene has gone to the tomb and can't find Jesus and is looking right at Him and thinks He's the gardener. Until he calls her by name. Rabbi, teacher. Calling Peter by name when he's crushed and thinks he can't go on, ready to quit. What do I do? So ashamed by name three times. (laughs) Woo! It's joy. He speaks to us by name, and he moves us into our ministries. This his great kindness and power and intimacy. What will he do with us if we'll ask him to and trust him and listen and just follow? What I think he wants to do with the east side is saturate the east side of Williamsburg with the gospel. No way we'll do it unless he leads us. Impossible! Unless he does it in and through us. I think we're supposed to be a church plant that plants churches. I barely say that around them right now. It's like they're just grabbing on to where we sat down, right? We just got there in August and said, so we got to be thinking like this. I think. What do you think? Let's ask him. Let's start praying about it. And what about chapel? Like, where will he take you? I don't know. Ask him. One of the last times I was in here, I heard Travis describing the chapel as an aircraft carrier launching churches. Shoot. I know, if I were you, I'd be doing the same thing. There'd be part of me like hanging on. Are you kidding me? We just sent a whole bunch of our friends over there. I don't want to lose anymore right now. We've already made great sacrifices. And You have. It's hard to let people go when they're called to go. And you sent them with blessing. Thank you. But I just wouldn't be surprised if He moves you into more hard stuff and that this is His way of bringing you the full life. Ask Him. And just follow as you hear His voice. He's good. Amen.